Hey guys, welcome to the First Students Podcast. This is something that's going to be new for us, but something that I've been wanting to do for quite a while now. I've wanted to use a podcast format to help parents stay connected to what we're doing on Wednesday nights and also to be able to connect with students other than just Wednesdays and Sundays by sending out some things through a podcast of just an encouraging word or or helping you understand more about the things that we've talked about. But now that we are unable to meet on Wednesday nights, I thought what better time than to start a podcast now so that we don't miss where we've been on Wednesday nights. So that's the plan. We're going to use this podcast over the next couple of weeks to help us continue our walk through the Gospel of John. So today, if you have your Bible with you, that's what we're going to do. Go ahead and open your Bible up to John chapter 18, and we're going to continue our study in the book of John. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we've been watching Jesus as he is leading up to the cross. He's had his last supper with his disciples. They've uh, listened to his final words of teaching. He's encouraged them. He has told them that times are going to get hard, that they're going to have trouble in this world, but in him they can have peace. And then they leave that upper room and they they go on this walk and we see Jesus again talking and encouraging with them. And then we see him stop and pray. And he stops and prays, and that's what we looked at last week in chapter 17. And he prays in three specific ways. He prays that the Father would use him to glorify himself. So Jesus asked that God would glorify Jesus and in doing so would glorify himself. He then goes on to pray for his disciples that God would protect them, that God would not allow them to leave this earth now, not to be taken from this earth, but that they would be protected on this earth so that they could go and do the work that Jesus has left for them. And then in the end, he prayed for those who would be hearing the word that is preached by those disciples, that they might come to know who Christ is. And all of those things, all three of those Uh, ways that he prayed for himself, for his disciples, and for others, he was always praying that the end would be that God would be glorified. And so we looked at how everything in our lives, whether it's ourselves, whether it's others, whether it's evangelism to the lost, the goal is always that God would receive the glory. In verse uh, 1 of chapter 18 today, what we are going to look at is the betrayal of Jesus. And again, this is something that doesn't seem like it gives glory, but we're going to look at this story, and we're only going to cover the first 11 verses. This isn't going to be a real long uh, message today, but we're going to look at these first 11 verses, and we're going to recognize how God is glorified and how Jesus is in control of everything. We've talked about from the very beginning of this study in the book of John, we could subtitle the whole thing, Jesus is, and then just put a blank. And every week we could fill in the different things that Jesus is. Well, this week we could say Jesus is in control. Another word for that is sovereign. And and that's exactly what we're going to look at. How is Jesus sovereign even through this moment of his arrest? So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 18, starting in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and pause this. Go find a Bible. I want you to walk through the Word together with me. I'm going to be reading from the CSB version of Scripture. So if you're using your phone, you can change that to the CSB. Let's read this together, and then let's go back and discuss what we can learn from these 11 verses. John chapter 18, verse 1. After Jesus had said these things, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew this place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. 
So Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees and came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it that you are seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, Jesus told them. Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. And when Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Who is it that you are seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I told you, I am he, Jesus replied. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the words that he had said, I have not lost one of those you have given to me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it out, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. At that, Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Now, when we look at these 11 verses, I think it's important for us to understand. And remember, our scope tonight is looking at this and seeing how Jesus is in full control of everything that is happening. So just for a moment, try to put a picture in your mind of someone being arrested. What's the normal way that that happens? Normally, if someone knows that they are being looked for, they go into a place of hiding. They try to run from the authorities who are coming after them. They're trying to avoid that confrontation, and the authorities have to go and find them. And the authorities, the, the police, if you will, are the ones who would go after, and they would be the ones to make the arrest. They're the aggressors in the situation. What we see here with Jesus is totally different, and there's a beautiful purpose behind it being different. Let's go ahead and look uh, and break down some of these verses together and see how Jesus is the one who was actually in control this whole time. It says that after he had said these things, after he had prayed with his disciples and for his disciples, he went across the Kidron Valley to a garden with his disciples, and they went into this garden. Now, it's important that we link that with verse 2, where it says Judas, who betrayed him, also knew this place because Jesus met there often with his disciples. This wasn't some remote garden that Jesus and his disciples were going to to hide away. This was a place that Jesus knew, that he had taken his disciples many times. It's also a place that he knew Judas would know where to find him. So Jesus wasn't hiding from the high priest and the soldiers and the officials and Judas. Jesus was going to a place knowing that this is where they're going to find me. Why? Because Jesus wasn't ambushed the night he was arrested. Jesus gave himself up for us the night he was arrested. It's important to remember those things. Jesus gave himself for us, even in this moment. And everything that he's done, we know that Jesus gave himself for us. Even in this moment of arrest, he was giving himself up for us. And he remains in full control. He doesn't go to the garden to hide. He goes to the garden to be found. And then as they are coming forward, we see that Jesus, and look at verse 4. This is important. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, he went out to them and said, again, this picture that Jesus wasn't hiding in the garden, scared of being arrested or, or fearful of what was to come. Jesus, knowing what was about to happen, that he was about to be arrested, and this would start the process of him being put on the cross. Knowing these things, he went out to them and he asked them. He starts the conversation. Who are you guys looking for? 
They responded, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus doesn't try to deny who he is. He doesn't try to change the conversation. He directly looks at them and says, I am he. And then something interesting happens here in the second part of verse 5. Something we don't have recorded in the other Gospels, but it says that Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And then verse 6 says, When Jesus told them, I am he, when he declared who he was to these men, Judas, the soldiers, the high council, the people who were there, they fell to the ground. Jesus, speaking those words, I am he, and we don't have an explanation whether it was fear that caused them to fall to the ground, whether it was reverence that caused them to fall to the ground, whether it was just the, the shock of the claim of a man saying, I am Jesus, I am the one you're looking for, and I'm not afraid to give myself up to you. We don't really have the information. But what we know is that the spoken word of Jesus in the face of those who were coming to get him caused them to fall to the ground. It caused them to step back and go to the ground. I believe personally this is probably a response of fear. There was something in Jesus' proclamation to say, I'm the one you're looking for, with his authority, that he came to them, that just caused them to have this reaction of, of being overwhelmed. And so Jesus goes to them and says, I'm the one you're looking for. And then he asks them again, just to make sure you heard me. Who is it that you're looking for? Again, they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Look at verse 8. I told you I am he. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. These men who would have been with him was his disciples. They would have been taken as well at the moment. And Jesus, we see in the next verse, it says in verse 9, he said this to fulfill the words that he said, I have not lost one of those you have given me. So Jesus is letting his disciples see in that moment the things that I prayed for you, if you go back to verse seven, or chapter 17 and look at verse 15, he says, I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. When Jesus is praying that for his disciples to the Father, he's saying, Father, when I pray for their protection, I don't mean remove them from the world. What I'm saying, Lord, is that I want them to stay here, but protect them from evil so that they might continue to spread the truth. And here, Jesus is living out some of that protection. He is offering himself up in that moment for the disciples. Hey, let them go. I'm the one you're looking for. Again, Jesus sacrificing himself for those that he loves. That's a continual picture we're going to see in this story. And it's also the most beautiful thing in the core of the gospel. That God loved man so much that he sent his son Jesus to be in our place to be the sacrifice for us. He came for us to do what we could not do so that we might have a relationship with God. And he did these things because for those who believe in him, he gives the gift of eternal life. He gives his love, his grace, and his mercy. Because God loves us, he sent his son for us. Let's continue to look at the scripture. Let's go to verse 10. Then we see the natural human response of Peter. Now next week in our next podcast, we'll talk more about Peter as this arrest starts to unfold into uh, going before the, the high council. But this is his initial reaction. Peter is there with Jesus in the garden. Jesus is arrested. Jesus has just said to these uh, Roman soldiers, if you're looking for me, then take me, but let everyone else go. And Simon, being Simon Peter that he is, he pulls out his sword and he starts to defend Jesus. 
he strikes this uh, servant of the high priest and he cuts off his right ear. And Jesus looks at him and says, put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Reminding Peter, listen, I have a purpose in what I am doing. And you, you don't need to defend me in this moment, Peter. You don't need to try to stop what is happening. This is me controlling the situation. So when Peter tried to take control of it, Jesus says, no, I'm in control. When the guards first showed up and they come looking for the arrest, Jesus steps forward and proves, no, I'm in control. He goes to them. And there's nothing wrong with Peter in this, in this moment trying to defend the Lord. I think it's admirable. It's also a little bit uh, comical that this man, Simon Peter, who has watched Christ do these miracles and perform these things and, and recognizes that he is the Son of God, that he actually thought he was going to defend the Lord as if the Lord needed him to defend him. Um, Jesus quickly tells him, hey, hey, put your sword away. There's something greater going on here. I have to go forward with this. This is my purpose of being here, is to be led to this cross for the great sacrifice that all mankind who will believe in me will get to experience and will receive eternal life through that sacrifice. And so Jesus is in full control here. Well, while the world around him seems and thinks that they're in control, the whole time Jesus is the one who is in control. And that's the main point I want us to understand. First, that Jesus was a willing sacrifice. The Romans didn't kill Jesus. The, the betrayal by Judas didn't kill Jesus. The Pharisees and the, the Sanhedrin and the high council, they didn't kill Jesus. Even us as sinners are not what killed Jesus. What killed Jesus was his willingness to go to the cross on his own to be a sacrifice for us. What killed Jesus was his love for us. The Father sent his Son to be killed for us because of his love for us. How incredible is that? How beautiful is that when we fully understand that the death of Jesus was not by the hands or, or not by the circumstances of the world and evil, but that Jesus gave his life over for us. What a beautiful picture. He is always in control. And even today, I want you to understand, when we say Jesus is in control, we can interchange that with saying Jesus is sovereign. He is a plan, and he has control of that plan. And there's often times in our lives, especially you guys as teenagers, where emotions run high. When something happens, it feels like the world is just crumbling around you. I want to comfort you by telling you that if you are a believer, you can rest in the fact that Christ is sovereign. That God is in control. Jesus is in control of every situation. He's not shocked by anything that you're going through. It's not new to him. He's not caught off guard by it. He has it under control. And he's allowing things to come and go from our life so that we might know him more. So that we might grow in our desire for him and our love for him. And in all things, so that we might grow in our worship of him and that he might receive the glory he deserves from us. Even right now, specifically, we are in a situation where we as churches and we as a society are, are being asked by the authorities to not gather together because of this pandemic that is sweeping over the world. And, and it seems like right now there's a lot of chaos 
and that there's really no control of anything. But again, I want to promise you, Jesus is in control. God is sovereign over the pandemic. All of these things that are happening are under the authority of God. Now, we may not know why, and we may not understand how he allows these things to happen specifically, but what we do know is that nothing happens without God allowing it, and nothing happens for those who love him that aren't for their good. So somehow we must find how we can worship God through this. And, and again, I'm, I'm not going to step into any type of me making some prophetic claim that this is the purpose. But let me just tell you a couple of things that I've noticed in my own life through this time of, of quarantine. I've noticed that I've got some idols in my life that I need to refocus. Because there's so many things that I'm missing out on right now. Well, not so many, but a few things that I'm missing out on right now that really have bothered me. Sports being canceled. When I come home at the end of the day, I am way too quick to turn on the television, find a sport, and just zone out for the rest of the night until it's time for bed. And that's not a terrible thing to watch sports. I'm not, I'm not saying sports are a bad thing. You know what is a bad thing? A father of four children and a husband to an amazing wife to come home and ignore them because he wants his own time with a thing that he desires more than his family. And so this is an opportunity for me to come closer to my family. This is an opportunity for me to shut out the outside distractions and focus on my family. Maybe for you, there's some things that are being removed from your life. Maybe it's just the busyness of life is being removed. And so now you have the opportunity to focus on what really matters. I hope we'll use that time to understand that all that really matters is our relationship with Christ and how we are living our lives to show that to the world and to spread that gospel message to the world around us. So I hope in reading through these first 11 verses of chapter 18 of John, you've, you've been encouraged again, not only by the love of Christ for us, that he would willingly give himself up over to the authorities to start the process of his crucifixion, he chose to give that up for us, but also that even now in times of chaos and uncertainty, that we can recognize that Christ is still sovereign. God is still in control. I hope you'll join next week as we will be looking at the arrest of Jesus into the trial of Jesus. And we'll look at some other things that we can learn about who he is. But remember this week, God is on his throne. Christ is in control. And we as believers have nothing to fear and we can rest in who he is. I love you guys and I hope to see you soon.